we've been in the book of James, and we've been talking in the book of James about maturity in faith, maturing in our faith, growing in our faith. And we've learned a ton, and uh, we are actually going to finish chapter one today, believe it or not. Aren't we excited about that? I might have said that two weeks ago. I unintentionally lied to you. But um, we've been hearing uh, to not just listen to what God's word says, to actually do what God's word says, to, to, to understand that it's been given to us, that it's been planted in us, and it's not written and given to us for any passive listening anymore that when you would plant some grass seed that you would just like throw it out there. Like you, 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 you put it in good soil, you water it, you make sure it gets sun. Like we can foster what God is doing in our lives by actually doing what God says. And as we walk in the holiness that God wants us to, as we walk in ways that are what God's word says, um, we begin to see transformation. Our lives begin to change. Why? Because we're becoming more and more like Jesus. So listening is very vital, but just listening and not doing what God's word says is illustrated by James. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's like somebody looking in a mirror and forgetting like why they got there, what they look like as they walk away. I mean, why do you look in a mirror? You look in a mirror to see what you need to fix, right? It might be your hair, it might be your, you know, your shirt it might be at my age. I make sure I don't have any nose hairs hanging out, you know, that type of stuff. I mean, that's just what happens in life. Like we, we check ourselves to make sure we're presentable, fix what's wrong. That is exactly what God's word is for us. It is a mirror that's held up to us for our hearts to know. And so what we literally need to do as we read God's word is, is to do what it says. And when we do what it says, we experience more and more the fullness of God. Now, what if you don't do what God's word says? We're going to talk a little bit about that today, um, but let me pray and read for us right now. Father, we lift up your word, what it says to us individually, what it says to us as a church. Lord, would you change our hearts today? Would you begin a transformation in us who all of us are at different variations of uh, our life in you. We are all loved by you equally. But all of us struggle. All of us need you. All of us need more, need deeper, more maturity. And so Lord, we see what your word gives us, which is freedom, freedom to walk in your love fully and understand it more and more every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me read um, James chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 25. If you guys could stand with me real quick, we're just going to read a few verses. And we read this uh, a couple weeks ago, but just a reminder. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law and gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what life does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress 
and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Amen. You can be seated. So what's our motivation for obedience? Um, we were taught in school, like your motivation for obedience is you just don't get in trouble. Uh, if you are obedient, you might get a star up on the, on the board. Um, I lack those, if you're wondering. And um, it, was, it was constantly like good behavior, good behavior, good behavior, good behavior. And that was rewarded, constantly rewarded. And the folks that had bad behavior, you saw them constantly being punished or, or losing privileges or something happening. And so we, we start to learn this obedient living. And, and when it comes to following Christ, we're like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I'm motivated. And so when we motivate ourselves by doing, uh, like for the, the pats on the head and the, the, the Lord, you know, like, okay, I'm going to give you a star. Or if I don't do this, then God's going to be mad at me. Like that type of motivation is, it, it'll run out. And so our motivation for obedience, it can actually be costly. So what keeps us focused on doing what God says to us? It's, it, it says here in verse 25, blessed are they in what they hear and what they do. Like this is about the future that we'll be blessed in as we follow Christ, as we've given our lives to him. But we are also blessed now. And blessing may look completely different than what you have in your brain of what blessed looks like. But I assure you, God will bless you because of what you're doing and because what you're doing, whether there's blessing around you, there can be blessing in you. Because God is at work in you no matter what's going on around you. And that never stops as we continue to follow him. It says the word of truth is given to us. It, it gives us a new birth. It is planted in us that we, we receive this, we accept this, and it gives us freedom. We are born again through the word. We receive it, we grow, and then we grow in true freedom. Like that sounds wonderful. And so why do we resist it? The perfect law that gives freedom, this is not like needless freedom that we just like, I'm free to pick caffeinated or decaf. Like we're not talking about that type of freedom. We're talking about the freedom and the things that are necessary. Freedoms and the things that actually matter. Freedom in, as you walk in Christ, you are free to receive his love for you. You're actually free to live how you want to live, if you want to. And God will love you no less. But the blessing that you won't receive is what's going to be going on in your heart. Like what God is doing in you. We sell ourselves so short when we don't do what, the, what God's law says, what God's word says. It, it, it demands a response. Am I feeding back a little bit? Yeah, something's changing. You got it. Is something in the system or the money? Go ahead. Okay. I can switch a handheld if that's easier, but... It demands a response. It, it demands one of repentance and faith. It's like hearing it, it, you can. But like the result is not optional because I'm not even talking about people going to heaven or hell. I'm talking about like what's happening now. Like what's happening in your world around you 
can literally be used by God to grow you in Him. It's intended to change us, our thinking, our attitude, our behavior. God's Word actually changes our hearts, and it is not a burden, no matter what we've heard. Is it easy? No. Listen to what the words of Jesus say in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my teaching upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my way is easy and my burden is light. God's word is exactly what we need. All other ways that we try to pursue freedom are actually a prison. Like all the ways that we we say, oh, this is freedom, most of those are a lie. Like the the free to be you, the do do you, you be you, all that stuff. Like, no, that's not what God's word says. And that is actually the worst thing that you can do in this world. Like, we are able to have freedom and rest no matter what goes on around us. And when we don't do what God's word says, we are unsettled. Even the furthest person from God is unsettled. Because sin seems so easy. It seems like that burden is like, it's easy to do, but it's hard to live. And following Christ is the opposite. It's actually hard to do. But man, it gives you life. It really gives you what God intends. And we so often in Western society think the absence of rules is freedom, and that is just not true. I mean, you take a fish out of water and say, I'm so sad for this goldfish. He's constricted in this bowl. He would be much more free outside the bowl. That would be a disaster. Why? Because in about 60 seconds or so, he's a goner. Why? Because he's created to live in the water. He's actually fully free in many ways. I mean, he's literally walking in freedom because that's what he's created to do. We are created to follow God's word. And true freedom is only found in living how we're created to live. I mean, Jesus says in John 10, 10, uh, the, the thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have given you life and life to the full. I'm here to give you life and life to the full. We truly flourish when we live for Christ. God made us for him. We are designed to live in the ways that he says this is true freedom. And then the evidence is in verse 26 of following Jesus is not that it's just God's will for us. It's transformational to us. Like it is God's will to follow him. But the beauty of it is we are changed by him. And as we're changed by him, as we follow his word, we start to see fruit in our lives follow. And you're like, well, how is this happening? 
because you're doing what God says to do. Like you, you are following him. You're, you're doing it. Like be encouraged. You will know and believe and live in the love God has for you. And that'll happen more and more as you just do what he says to do. True religion in these verses is, is not keeping just a loose rein on your tongue, right? It, it, it talks about some practical things about what we say. I mean, don't raise your hand, but anybody know somebody that runs their mouth? Like we all do. And sometimes we have done that, let's be honest. We've all been there. But people that like don't keep a, 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 a rein on their tongue, do they really belong to God is what, what these verses is pointing out. Christians will have a measure of control of what they say and what they do. Like if you're not feeling conviction for certain things, there might be a big problem here. And, and experiencing what is that in me that doesn't feel conviction is a very important work to do. Because it's there. It's just buried under a bunch of stuff. And God's trying to get at it with you. And if you're willing to dig, he will dig with you. And when you're tired, he'll keep digging. Because he wants to get to the core of what keeps us from more of him. How we live does not make us love, or doesn't make God love us any more or less. Like you can be, the, believe it or not, the, in Hamas, and God loves them with everything he has. Just like he loves you with everything he has. The difference is, how do you live for God? That actually speaks loudly. And so people should, around you, as you grow in Christ, start to realize there's something different about this person. And it's not to glorify you, it's to say, what's different about me is that I follow Christ and to engage in those conversations, to be willing to put it all on the line. Like it's tough, it's hard. But it is what God calls us to do. And as we do that, what happens? More fruit. Living with one foot in the world and one foot out of the world is like spraying poison on half a plant. What's going to eventually happen? The other half's going to get poisoned. So having dealt with what uh, true religion is not, he begins to talk about what more it is and, and there's proof if we're truly listening in our lives. Like that's why when you uh, walk towards somebody and maybe you, you have a quick conversation and you're like, man, that person's really Christ-like. That's pretty cool. And then later on you find out, oh, they are a follower of Christ. I mean, it's, it happens all the time. Not always. There's nice people that don't know Christ, just in case you're wondering. They're not mean. And there's some mean Christians. Some of the meanest people I know are Christians, actually. But there's proof if we're truly listening because we make some determinations in our lives. We, we want and desire to care for vulnerable people. 
And, and I'm not just talking uh, financially, though that's a big part of it. I'm talking about people that are emotionally vulnerable, people that are physically vulnerable, people that are spiritually vulnerable. There is vulnerable people out there. That's why he's talking about orphans and widows in this, these verses here, because they were the most vulnerable at that time, by far. They still can be. But back then, there was no government assistance. And if a male didn't take you in, uh, that was a death sentence for you. You would eventually die if you were an orphan or a widow, unless somebody took you in. And what he's saying here in these verses is that Christians want to help. And we can't help everybody. I get that. I'm not called to help every person that needs help. But we are all called to help people. We are all called to reach out. One thing I love about what's happening in church now is that people are so like, hey, I need to get me and God right. And amen. You you got to really let the Lord dig in and change you and and, and grow. And, And he really wants you to grow. And he really cares about you as an individual. But the danger in that is is that we become all individually faith Christians and not really connecting with each other and not doing what God says together, which is to go. We have got to go. And that doesn't mean that you have to have some revival crusade of 31st Street Neptune Park right in the middle of, you know, something in the water. We're going to preach for Christ or whatever. But it does mean that the people that you are with on a consistent basis, God has called you to them, whether you like it or not. They are part of your sphere of influence that God wants to use you as he's continuing to grow in you, as he's continuing to grow you, as he's continuing to help you become more and more like him. And that's what we're called to do as we don't have things that are like we're callous to. Like, it should really break our heart what's going on in the Middle East. And I'll be honest with you, there's times where I'm like, I don't know how much more bad news I can take, and I want to, like, change the channel. I want to turn it off. And then you hear about this happening over here, sex trafficking over there. I mean, there's some really, really vile, awful things happening. And we're not called to fix everything, but we as Christians, the church is called to get involved. And we need to support and love and, and, and encourage those people that are called to things that we're not called to just as much as they need to encourage us as we're called to things they are. When Dee and I were at this uh, marriage retreat, we, uh, we were with about 50 couples and uh, it was like a family-style dinner, but you didn't have assigned seats and you would go and sit down and get to know the folks around there. And Dee knew pretty much everybody, obviously you know her. But um, I, we got to hear stories from people here and there. And this one uh, couple just started sharing uh, the ages of their kids. And there was, a, there was a gap. And we were like, oh, was that expected? And they're like, no, not at all. And we said, well, what happened? And they said, well, uh, this mother was saying, my daughter and I were at the DMV. And uh, we witnessed this couple in their car in Colorado 
uh, fighting. And outside the car was a baby stroller with a crying baby being dumped on with snow. I said, what'd you do? And she says, well, long story short, we adopted the child. And her husband, I only say this because adoption is really expensive, if you don't know. Uh, her husband is a maintenance worker. He, like, he fixes things in the building. Like when something goes wrong, he's got that. So he's just an average person. He's not some rich, famous, or even well-to-do person. He's just like you and me. Probably living paycheck to paycheck. And they just were called to do it. Well, maybe you're not supposed to adopt a baby. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. But I do know that we are all called to get involved. We are all called to care. We are called to be people of action, not to earn God's love by the more that we do. That is not what I'm saying. But to deeply follow him in ways that are scary, ways that are vulnerable for us, things that we're called to do that we go, I I don't see any way possible for that to happen. And maybe it's not for you. Maybe your role is to pray that God would send somebody to do that. That's between you and the Lord. But why are we people that go? Why are we people of action? Because that is who God is. Like he came down. Why? Because the mirror that was held up to our hearts was not a pretty picture. There was a lot of us. There was a lot of brokenness in us. And it meant that we could not get to heaven. But he came to fix what we broke. He came to redeem what we broke. He came to redeem us. And see, that love is the voice that is saying, if you do what I say, you will have true freedom. Like, I think I want to follow that way of thinking. That the one that loves me the most, the one that created me for him, is actually telling me how I can live and I can do it. And yes, I'm going to mess up. And yes, he's already forgiven me. And yes, I can grow even when I mess up. Like God will say, I will clean you up along the way as I'm healing you.